We're here at the 47th annual March for Life. There are tens and tens of thousands of people here, but the crowds are overwhelmingly young. And they're young because a quarter of their generation has been killed through abortion. My grandma also had an abortion. It was for my mo- on my mom, but it didn't work. So, like, my mom was born, I was born. If the abortion would have worked, then I wouldn't be here and I couldn't fight for the unborn, too. My best friend is actually adopted, and I can't imagine growing up really without her. My younger sister has Down syndrome, so I think from a very young age, I've just recognized that all life has value, and I really need to support that cause. From across the country, thousands gathered on the mall near the White House, convinced that after nearly a half century of marching for life, this is the year that they will celebrate a huge victory. Att i Guds namn vill jag rädda de ofödda liven, de små bebisarna som ligger i sina mammors magar, låter kanske som en vacker och ofarlig tanke. Men pro-life-rörelsen som de föredrar att kallas, det vill säga motståndarna mot laglig och säker abort, går inte bara i fredliga ja-till-livet-marscher, utan har en våldsam historia med såväl trakasserier, misshandel, vandalisering, bombattentat och mord på sina samveten. Dagens utbredda abortmotstånd i USA föddes på 70-talet då en rad nya kristna högerorganisationer bildades som en reaktion mot 60-talets progressiva politiska frihetsrörelser som till exempel medborgarrättsrörelsen, kvinnorörelsen och fredsrörelsen. I abortfrågan kunde de förenas med högerradikala militanta aktivister som inte drog sig för att använda våld som en metod. 2010 fick abortmotståndarna ny kraft då en rad högerradikala republikaner röstades in i delstatsregeringar under den så kallade tipartivågen. Men vid det laget hade de redan 11 mord och 26 mordförsök på abortläkare och personal vid abortklinikerna på sitt samvete. En av dem som mördades var dr. George Tiller som under många år varit utsatt för abortmotståndarnas trakasserier och dödshot. Dr. George Tiller was shot and killed in church yesterday. For years, Tiller was a lightning rod for abortion rights opponents, and his murder is sparking new fears for the safety of other abortion providers, some of whom are now being offered federal protection. Redan 1993 utsattes han för ett allvarligt mordförsök då han blev skjuten i armarna. The threat against Tiller was so constant his clinic had fortress-like security, round-the-clock guards and surveillance cameras. And when he left here, he often traveled with a bodyguard in a bulletproof vehicle. Whatever the motivation for this heinous act, the act itself will have a chilling effect on other healthcare professionals who may be too afraid to become involved. In women's rights. Trots omfattande säkerhetsåtgärder vid kliniken där han jobbade så lyckades de mörda fyra barns pappan en söndag 2009 när han besökte gudstjänsten 
i sin kyrka i Kansas. The 67-year-old abortion provider was shot point blank in the forehead as he attended services in his Wichita, Kansas church. Dr. Tiller's clinic was one of a handful in the nation that performed abortions after the 24th week of pregnancy. He faced constant threats and incidents of violence and vandalism in the decades leading up to his death. His clinic was bombed in 1985. In 1993, he survived an assassination attempt with gunshot wounds to both arms. Att Tiller var en av få läkare som erbjöd sena aborter gjorde honom extra utsatt eftersom detta är ett av abortmotståndarnas absoluta röda flaggor då de menar att sena aborter är ett bevis för det systematiska mödande av barn som pågår inne på abortklinikerna. Att de sena aborter som utförs oftast handlar om att barnet är svårt skadat och inte skulle överleva utanför livmoden eller att det handlar om hälsorisker för mamman spelar ingen roll i deras ögon. I loved being pregnant. It was an amazing feeling. The ultrasound where we found out that there was something wrong was supposed to be the last thing before going in and delivering a beautiful yeah. baby boy. And the tech said, "Uh-oh." I den här intervjun hör vi paret David och Natalie Yang som 2006 fick hjälp med att genomgå en sena bort av George Tiller. I remember them saying that it would be impossible for him to survive outside the womb and that he would likely be brain dead. I remember arriving at Dr. Tiller's office and having all of these protesters outside and I felt like this was the last place we wanted to be. I remember us meeting Dr. Tiller who was so kind and so sorry that we were there. He kept reminding us that nobody wanted to be there. And then it wasn't our fault. And then it wasn't our fault. Which I kept needing to hear. When I read about some person shooting Dr. Tiller, I totally freaked out. I think I was in my office and you called me and told me and I was stunned. I was so angry. And I thought about other couples who were probably there that week. What were they going to do? How did that change their lives? I want him to be remembered as a compassionate and courageous man who was there to help people during the darkest times in their lives. He he was so deeply needed by so many people. Våldet som riktas mot abortkliniker och dess personal i USA har knappast minskat. Tvärtom. The number of attacks and disruptions against abortion clinics across the country have reached record numbers. The National Abortion Federation reported over 1,000 violent acts committed against abortion clinics, the highest number of attacks since the group started keeping records in 1977. Och när dessutom USA:s förra president Donald Trump twittrar och kallar abortläkare för barnamördare, så får de våldsamma extremisterna offentligt stöd. 
direkt från den absoluta politiska toppen. You hear the president call a doctor a baby killer. You know what they told me is that can be, you know, a quote unquote dog whistle. You know that can inspire them to act. Sen våldet mot abortkliniker började på 80-talet har antalet abortläkare minskat med nästan 40 procent enligt Guttmacher institutet. Och idag när abort förbjudits i en rad delstater har flera kliniker dessutom tvingats att stänga. Vilket lett till att tillgången för att få en säker abort blir allt svårare över hela landet. Trycket på de allt för få kliniker som finns är enormt. Men det finns de som trotsar trenden att lägga ner kliniker. Okay, this is our clinic. Come in here. I delstaten Maryland, precis på gränsen till Washington D.C., möter jag barnmorskan Morgan Nasso som tillsammans med sin kollega abortläkaren Diane Horvath just håller på att starta upp en ny klinik, Partners for Abortion Care. So when are you planning on opening this? So we started scheduling patients today and we'll see patients on Wednesday. Oh Jesus. <laughs> How long have you been uh, organizing it? Um, Diane and I started planning in December. Yeah. And we got the property the in June. Yeah. We did renovations all through June and into July. And then we hired staff in August. Morgan visar mig stolt runt och förklarar att även om det är lite rörigt just nu så kommer de börja ta emot patienter om bara några dagar. So it's kind of messy because we're still like doing lots of different things. But yeah. this is our space. So this is our front part in our waiting room. We actually got all this furniture from a clinic that closed in Georgia. They put it on a U-Haul and one of our friends of the clinic who was a later abortion patient drove it to us. So, yeah. Möblerna har de fått från en klinik som tvingades lägga ner i Georgia. En för detta patient hyrde en lastbil och körde dem hela vägen till Maryland. Yeah, the person who drove it up is is His wife had a later abortion. She's written about it and um, how it affected their family. And then they um, then they become later abortion patient advocates. So yeah. they have um, a website called Who Not When, and their organization is called Patient Forward. Ah, yeah. And they just try and work to destigmatize later abortion and who gets a later abortion. They had yeah. an abortion at 35 weeks for a fetal anomaly. So. Um, Yeah, and they tend to work with us. They've been very, very supportive of us. We didn't want to send movers that we hadn't vetted to the abortion clinic, right? And he's like, I already bought a ticket. I'm flying from Arizona. I'll drive the U-Haul. That's so, so nice. It was really nice. Yeah. It was really nice. And when he got here, it was just like, thank you for coming. So, yeah. So when I say, like, my community supports me, they really do. Anytime my book club gave us a bunch of money to get started, somebody sending us lunch next Tuesday you know like people want to make this work you I mean we have a GoFundMe and people 3200 people have given us money and we're doing we're making these little stars the staff is making them and there's going to be 3200 of them and then we're going to sh- like put them somewhere in the clinic so that patients can see that this many people like supported them and wanted them to have this this clinic um so this is steel Aha. Then we'll be locked when we take care of patients so nobody should be able to get through here. Säkerhetsåtgärderna är rigorösa här, precis som på alla bortkliniker i USA. 
Här finns säkerhetskameror, kodlås, alarm, till och med skyddsdörrar av plåt och skottsäkra fönster. So this space is great because it's below grade, right? So all our windows are only in the front here. You see we have a lot of security. We have our cameras everywhere. Everything has to have like a code to get in. So when we're seeing patients, these doors will be closed. And um, we have a security door as well. Um, College Park is right by the University of Maryland. So we knew we'd be in a place where like we had college students, we had a good like progressive liberal community. Um, and we're not too far from three major airports. So Baltimore, Washington National um, uh, National Airport in DC and in Virginia, Dulles. So the security thing, yeah. that's something that we don't have in Sweden because mm-hmm. we don't have these uh, groups harassing mm-hmm. uh, clinics mm-hmm. like you have here. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us? So the I can tell you, you can see out here, we have out the front, we have cameras here mm-hmm. and there. We have cameras in our waiting room. We have a big steel metal door that locks. It's access control. Um And all of our windows are shatterproof. We had to have special film put on them so that people couldn't shatter them and and try and enter the clinic. And why? Uh, Because uh, we are already being targeted by anti-abortion extremists who one of their methods for terrorizing us is to enter our clinic, try and force us to not see patients, try and scare and intimidate our staff. Um, And then there's been several abortion providers who've been murdered by um, anti-abortion extremists over the years. So we try everything to keep our patients safe and our staff safe. Jag frågar om det här är den normala situationen för de som jobbar med aborter. Och Morgan svarar att det är det. De har redan blivit måltavlor för abortmotståndarna och finns med på extremisternas dödslistor och andra sidor på nätet med foto, adress och annan personlig information. Yeah, it would be normal, very normal. We've already been... Um doxed so we had like an anti-doxing service go and scrub all our information from the online um like go into the dark web and take all of our information mine and my um, business partner diane's information off um when diane was providing abortions if she was here she would tell you that when she was providing abortions several years ago they put a picture of her and her 15 month old daughter online Uh, there's a website called abortiondocs.com org and they it's basically a hit list and you'll find all our pictures there with as much personal information as you can we were recently featured this week in a catholic newsletter in which at the end they basically had a call to action that they would that the people uh the pro-life the you know anti-abortion extremists in the area should try and put a stop to us opening the clinic jag tänker alltid på att någon vill försöka döda mig säger Morgan Nasso och berättar hur hon alltid ser sig om över axeln när hon sätter sig i bilen och kommer hem på kvällen. And then always looking over our shoulder when we get into the car, when I go home at night. Um... Men även om det är en pressad situation så tycker hon att det är värt det eftersom hon känner att deras jobb är så viktigt. Yeah, we're always thinking about how someone is trying to kill us. But that must be terrible to live under that those circumstances. How, it how, is. It's how, very stressful. <laughs> how does you it know? make you feel? Uh, scared a lot of the time. But this work is so important that we have to do it, you know. Partners in abortion care är en av de få kliniker som erbjuder sena aborter. 
vilket gör att patienterna som kommer dit ofta rest långt ifrån andra delstater. Eftersom det är en fristående privat klinik kostar det pengar, vilket gör att man jobbar nära olika organisationer som hjälper till att finansiera en abort för den som inte har råd. Ett system som är vanligt i ett land som USA, där sjukförsäkringen sällan innebär en heltäckande lösning. And do you, uh, if they don't have money, can you like recommend some abortion funds? Yes. Or yeah, we work closely with the Baltimore Abortion Fund, especially. We work with the National Abortion Federation for funding for our patients. Um, and uh, there are a couple other practical support groups that we work with. One is called Bridget Alliance and Midwest Access Coalition. So they move folks from the Midwest, especially. Um, and then there's a few other places that we're hoping to work with. Like uh, they have this new new group called Elevated Access, which is volunteer pilots. So um, those are folks that get our patients hotel, bus ticket, train ticket, plane ticket for the patient and their support person. Um, they're with us three to four days sometimes. And so they need a hotel to stay while they're here. And then they'll organize their travel and sometimes their food. And we have on site to um, like a clothing pantry for our patients. Sometimes our patients come when they need clothes, blankets, food. Um, sometimes we're providing all of those things for our patients while they're here. Mm. Man har till och med anställt en särskild patientkoordinator som enbart sysslar med att hjälpa till att hitta finansiering för de patienter som inte har råd. Mm. It's a lot of work. Our, we have a manager of patient advocacy and coordination and she does a lot of that work. She'll call funds. Sometimes people throw in two or three hundred dollars. Sometimes people pay a lot more. These funds, sometimes 13, 14 funds all come together to pay for a patient to get here. It's a lot of work oh. to get somebody here. It's not like you call and it's all just paid for um, because patients get use their insurance for these procedures. So, yeah. So do you think even women in blue states will be affected by, by the, the ban because of people in other states? I mean, mm-hmm. that's not enough clinics for yep. everybody. Yep. We're already seeing in Maryland wait times three, four weeks out now. And we warned people early this spring, we said, even in Maryland, it doesn't matter. Your, your, your access is not guaranteed if you're waiting three or four weeks for an appointment when you used to be able to walk in and get an appointment same day, because there's so much need. And, you know, we've closed 60 something clinics in the, la- in the last hundred days. So... Yeah, it's even if you live in a place where there's lots of abortion access, doesn't mean you can get an appointment. Vi ser redan konsekvenserna av att så många kliniker nu tvingats stänga ner. Väntetiderna har ökat till flera veckor, berättar Morgan. Yeah, it's an overwhelming feeling to think about. Mm. You know, half the country losing access to abortion care because no one thinks they need an abortion and then when they need an abortion, they need an abortion yesterday. You know, and no one thinks they need an abortion because they had a wanted pregnancy and then they find out something's gone wrong, you know, and no one wakes up in the morning and thinks like, oh, yeah, like I'm so, you know, like I, I want I want, I'm running to the abortion clinic today. You know, this is exciting. Like the the folks that need abortions need them now, mm. you know, and especially folks who lead later abortions can't wait. You know, they're on a they're on a time time crunch, you know, and sometimes, you know, our, our partner clinic or I guess not partner clinic, but like our, almost like our sister clinic in DC, I worked there for several years and a lot of our staff worked there as well. They have a five week waiting list for patients. And these are patients who have nowhere else to go. They're the last stop. Och det är det absolut värsta. 
att behöva neka en patient för att det blivit för sent. It is the worst thing in the world to tell someone you can't see them. I've only had to do it a few times in my career and it is absolutely heartbreaking to tell someone you can't do anything for them. Just hearing the the screams and the cries of people when you tell them that there's no way you can help them is haunting. Mm. So I was talking to the L&D nurses that I work with and I said it's the same carnal, feral feeling and sounds that people make when they have a loss mm. of like a wanted pregnancy because their lives are very different than they thought they were going to be. I think you've taken you've taken something from them for their future. Mm. So yeah. what what makes you going? What gives you the energy and uh, uh, to 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 keep on go- doing your work? I like to do the hardest thing possible. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I have a really really good community here. You know, Diane, my business partner, is just a wonderful provider, a wonderful person to work with. When you care for people for three or four days and you take really good care of them, you know, uh, that's, that's something that you don't get in other professions, right? You, you, there's a real sense of you having made an impact in people's lives. And even if we, you know, we were talking as a team this morning, even if we only schedule one patient next week, that's one person and their life is really important. Mm. Um, I tell my, tell people, that my job is to immediately fall in love with someone when I meet them and take care of them like they're my family or they're my best friend. And that's what I try and do every time I meet a patient is mm. like care for them in a way that I would care for someone that I love. Um, yeah, I think that that's a reason to keep going, <laughs> right? When you have an opportunity to have an impact on someone's life like that, it's a good reason to keep going and doing it. Det hinner gå fyra veckor innan jag en kväll ringer upp Morgan via Zoom för att höra hur det gått med allt. Diane, this is Maria. Hello. Hello. I Maryland är det lunchtid och hon och hennes kollega Diane sitter i receptionen när vi pratas vid via Zoom. But thank you for sending it to me. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. What time is it there? Uh, it's five o'clock Friday okay. afternoon, so I have my dinner cooking and my kids locked up in their rooms, so I can and I tell them that mommy is doing an interview, so don't disturb me. But you can probably hear some noise anyway. That's okay. Yeah. So how are you? I'm very curious to to hear what has happened. How how has it been this? Yeah. So we've been seeing patients. This is our third week of seeing patients. So we saw you right before we were able to see patients. Um, it's going really well. I think I told Diane yesterday this is the first time I felt optimistic in a really long time. Like things are going very well. Like, um, you know, we've seen patients, we've got, our staff is training. We're, um, having our clinic dedication this weekend. And so that means that, uh, the religious coalition for reproductive choice is coming. We have ministers, interfaith, um, clergy coming. So, uh, Jewish rabbis, Christian ministers, Unitarian Universalist ministers as well coming to basically, bless the clinic and recognize it as a sacred space 
Um, and so they're coming in to do that. And then we're having a reception after with members of our community, about a hundred people are going to come. And then part of that ceremony is that we're going to ask them to support us like they would with like wedding vows in a wedding where you say like, I do to each other saying that you'll support the other person. So that's what we're doing this weekend. So we're really looking forward to that. Morgan säger att allt har gått bra och att hon för första gången på länge känner sig optimistisk. Till helgen ska de ordna ett event för det religiösa nätverket för reproduktiv valfrihet som ska komma och välsigna kliniken. Efteråt ordnas en mottagning för medlemmar från samhället runt omkring där de ordnar en ceremoni där folk lovar att stötta kliniken och de som jobbar där. Är det vanligt frågar jag. Och Morgan berättar att det inte är vanligt, men att både hon och Diane har en religiös bakgrund och att de saknat samhörigheten som kyrkan innebar. Not common. Not, Not common. common. <laughs> um, but Diane and I are both um, like lapsed religious people. Diane grew up in the Catholic church and I grew up in a Baptist church. And I think one of the things that we felt like when we left religion was um, the missing of the community. And so we feel very much like this is our community and this work we do is important and needs to be affirmed and witnessed by our community. Um, and so that's why we're we're doing it and we're really excited about it. I think a lot of times communities like uh, clinics pull away from engaging in the community because they don't want to be open because they're worried people will judge them or uh, I don't know. I think they're just worried. Right. And so I think we are also worried, but then we have to have this hope and this idea that if we open ourselves up to community, that the community will support us. And every time we've done that, they have. So that's where we're at. Have you had uh, like any problems? In the last couple of weeks, you they had already papered the clinic, right? When you came, we haven't had a lot. Um, I mean, they're writing about us in like their newsletters and things like that. And Um, they came out yes last week and said, uh, oh, we've prayed so hard around the clinic that the clinic's not open. And we're like, we are open. <laughs> like, I don't know what to say. They also said that I was 43, which I was not very happy about. <laughs> um, so yeah, their fact checking is not very good. Um, i think overall we're we're doing okay. We have an inspection in two weeks from, uh, or not an inspection, a visit from the National Abortion Federation, so we can get our membership. Um, the Abortion Care Network gave us our membership yesterday, which is wonderful. We're really excited to be part of that group. Um, yeah, we've we've got our staff. We're like we're doing it. We've we've seen patients, and that's been really wonderful. They've given us like gorgeous words afterwards. You know, they feel cared for and safe, um, and that's been really. Like that's the whole reason we did this, right? Was to take really good care of people. So. Allt har gått förvånansvärt bra, berättar Morgan. Vi är såklart alltid under attack, men extremisterna verkar inte riktigt ha fattat att vi faktiskt har öppnat. Så för tillfället är det ganska lugnt. No more, I mean, you are not under attack. Not right this second. I mean, always. <laughs> I mean, for to give you idea, we're having this reception outside of our clinic on this weekend, and we're having two plainclothes police officers with guns, just because, you know. So we're always thinking about security, but we're not doing nothing right this second is happening. I imagine in the next couple of weeks, they'll realize we're open and it, things may ramp up. Um, we had somebody in the neighborhood say they saw some protesters, but they were here on a Saturday. So like we're not open. Mm. Good luck. 
I'm feeling a little optimistic because the whole purpose of starting this clinic was to serve patients and to see them and to see our patients uh, or to see our team working together to take really, really good care of folks is the whole mission of our clinic. And to see that come to reality after almost a year of work feels amazing. Du har lyssnat på Body Rights, en podd från RFSU av och med mig, Maria Sveland. Det här var den tredje delen i en serie om abortkampen i USA. Och i nästa avsnitt får du möta en av dem som är engagerad i den så kallade pro-life-rörelsen och som ägnar stor del av sin tid åt att stå utanför abortklinikerna och be böner för kvinnorna som är på väg in. If I had a 10-year-old daughter who was raped i would not say have an abortion. I would say, you know, this horrible thing has happened to you, but we're going to do the right thing. You will bring this baby to term, and you will deliver this baby, and this baby will be given up for adoption. Um, but you know it's really dangerous for a 10-year-old to be pregnant. You know, your body isn't uh, fit for it. Well, maybe, but um, the 10-year-old has to have been already menstruating to get pregnant. So, you know... That 10-year-old's body thinks that 10-year-old is a woman. So I don't know if, um, I don't think it would kill the girl.